This is the Brew World Order Podcast. Welcome to the Brew World Order Podcast. My name is Mike Curtin. If you haven't subscribed yet, well, you must feel left out because everybody's doing it. This is episode number 58. In this episode, I sit down with Garrett Chambers of Kushwa Brewing Company in Williamsport, Maryland. Garrett tells me how they came up with the name for their brewery, how he feels the industry has changed in the last five years, and tells us how the brewery adapted to the shutdowns that were put in place due to COVID. I feel their pain because right now I'm trying to adapt because I feel like I have COVID. I'm not kidding either. I feel really horrible right now. And I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but uh, it's not very pleasant. Luckily, I did this interview with Garrett when I wasn't feeling like poo. So sit back, crack open a beer, or have a little bit of tea if you'd like, and enjoy the podcast. Cheers. Garrett Chambers, Marcus Thomas, and Scott Coleman all grew up in Maryland. After high school, Garrett wound up working on cars for a while before going to college for finance. That led him to Houston, where he worked in the investment industry for almost six years. When his father suddenly passed, Garrett decided to move back to Maryland. While he was back home, he started teaching Spanish, while also going to school to get a master's in school counseling. After that, he started a job as a counselor in Maryland until him and his family made the move to Vermont, where he continued to do the same work, but also worked at a brewery in his spare time. Scott and Marcus, who had stayed friends with Garrett over the years, still lived in Maryland and continued homebrewing together since Garrett left. The president of the Brewers Association in Maryland at the time, Kevin Addicts, had been asked to come to the town of Williamsport so he could have a discussion with some people who might be interested in opening a brewery in that area. Scott and Marcus just happened to be at that very meeting, and when they left, they passed by a commercial building that they thought would be perfect for the brewery. They reached out to Garrett with their plan for a brewery and asked him to decide if he wanted in on very short notice. The morning of the deadline, Garrett called them back with his answer, and in January of 2016, the three opened their doors to the public as Kushwa Brewing Company. And Garrett Chambers is here with me today. Garrett, how's it going, man? Uh, good. How are you? I'm all right. So I... I had looked up Kushwa in the dictionary, and it's not in there. Uh, you care to tell us how you came up with the name for your brewery? Uh, yeah, uh, that's that's a good question. So it's uh, we are in Williamsport, Maryland, which is kind of attached to Hagerstown, about an hour and a half, um, like northwest of of DC or west of Baltimore, and um, the we're a canal town, so the Kushwa Basin is uh, an like an important historical part of the town because when the canal, this is the CNO Canal, when it was functional, um, you know, it's it's very long and narrow, and you can't really turn boats around in the canal. So they would put these, uh, they would put uh, boats could drop things off or pick things up and turn around and, and kind of maneuver things a little bit. So Kushwa Basin was an important part of our town historically. Williamsport is a, a town that uh, George Washington considered making uh, the capital uh, before D.C. was chosen. Okay. Uh, which is, you know, kind of interesting historically. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we wanted a name that, you know, was like, I guess, more like, more like serious and less like goofy. And we had a name picked out we actually registered like our business as like our legal business name and like we're moving forward with some stuff and then found out that there was another brewery out there that had a beer series under 
that name. So okay. uh, we, they are totally on, on us because we didn't do the research uh, that we should have, but uh, we sat down one day and gave ourselves an hour, you know, after months of like working all that stuff out, uh, gave ourselves about an hour to pick a name. And Kushwa was hyper local and uh, had some recognition here in the state. So we ended up with that. Sounds good enough for me. I know that you, uh, Scott and Marcus, opened the brewery together. They had been brewing together for a while um, before you had basically joined in with them. And before that, you were kind of just like craft beer buddies, right? Yeah, for the most part. Right. Um, they They went to high school together, so they had known each other for a long time and we met through craft beer, but they, they homebrewed, they had, you know, a little group uh, of guys that, that would brew together. Right. Um, we actually, we never brewed together until, uh, after we started the business. Um, I homebrewed. I also worked at a brewery up in Vermont called Four Quarters for a little while. Okay. Got, you know, some, some production experience. It was kind of, uh, Brian's place at that point. He was, he was fairly, the business was fairly young. So it was kind of like, work tap room, help brew, help clean, just whatever needed to be done. So right. I actually learned a lot uh, through that and uh, moved home to do this with, with these guys. Right. So what? at what point was it when it was kind of that aha moment that hit you where you all of you were like, yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to open a brewery. Um, they So they kind of knew it before I did. They, they were pretty serious about the concept for a while and had been, um, you know, talking about some, some, you know, startup things and scouting locations and, uh, well, contemplating locations. And they, they went to a, uh, a Brewers Association of Maryland put on, a, I guess, like an informal, like, discussion uh, in our county uh, one night, and they went to just kind of listen to hear what they had to say. And on the way home from that, they... They found our first location. Um, it was the first place that they had, you know, actually contacted, you know, someone to see the, the facility and everything. So they picked the spot and were very serious about it. They got in touch with me, um, you know, and offered me the opportunity to come down, go into business with them. And at first I was kind of hesitant just because I, I wasn't sure that I wanted to move back to Maryland. Um, you okay. know, I grew up here and uh, I love it, but Vermont's pretty awesome. And uh, we, we were fairly established in Burlington. So um, it, it took a little time for me to decide. And at some point, they just kind of gave me an ultimatum because I think I was like kicking the can down the road. And they're like, listen, dude, if you want to be a part of this, you need to figure it out. Right. You know, we need to know by tomorrow morning type of thing. So, um, you know, it's, it's funny because um, I, I woke up that morning and didn't really know like what I was going to do. And decided to do it on a whim and you know it's luckily it's it's panned out okay right yeah it seems so um and you opened in january of 2017 correct uh yes 2017 so you were open for about five right so you were open for about a good three years before all these covid shutdowns started happening um how did you go about adjusting to all that and and how did that look like for you so we we were we were in the middle of building out our our uh expanded space when the the shutdown happened and it it forced us to close down our old space which we weren't ready to do and not 
have any space for a little while because the new space wasn't wasn't completely ready. So uh, what what honestly what really really saved us was we were fortunate to get our canning line started up about two weeks before the actual shutdown happened. Right. Um, and so we just you know scrambled and and moved everything to package immediately. Um, you know, and, and being able to, we get a lot of local support. We had a lot of people coming, you know, stopping off, you know, we were right off of I-81, stopping in to buy beer on the way to and from places. Um, you know, so we, we got a lot of support and we we're able to sell a lot of packaged beer to keep us afloat until we, we finally got our location, uh, open and then we were allowed to open it. So it was, you know, our part of that story, the scary part for us was we didn't really have an open brewery for a little while. Um, you know, right. an open tap room, I guess you could say. Right. Um, and during the process, when you, when you first opened in January of 2017, uh, from the start when you guys first came up with that moment, like, hey, let's open, to the moment you actually opened your doors, what do you think was the most challenging part for you? None of us had ever owned a business before, and right. we, you know, we're all like, I guess, fairly educated and experienced in different ways. But being a business owner and knowing, you know, like studying business or whatever are two very different things. So um, I think it was just um, obviously you go into it knowing that you're going to work hard and, and be committed and all those things. But for us specifically, because we we started our place with you know, our, our money and we didn't take out loans and we didn't have investors and we did all the build out and all the install of the equipment and, and all of those things. It's just, I don't think any one of us were prepared for like, you know, 90 or hundred hour weeks. I mean, there were nights when we slept there, uh, yeah. and didn't leave. And you know, that obviously is, is fairly taxing, but you know, it's, it, it was a shock to the system because you just didn't know what was coming. And, um, you know, we tried to, try to just get through and, and we did, you know, but it was, it was a lot more, we bit off more than, than what, what we thought we were for sure. Gotcha. And, uh, how did you guys go about funding your business? Uh, savings. Um, you know, but in saying that, uh, we started our place for, for less than, than almost everybody I know. And, and, and that was, again, it was because we, we did, yeah, I, I, I have a, like, I grew up doing construction. Scott is a, is an engineer. Uh, Marcus worked in, in, um, manufacturing facilities. So all of us had some background to, right. to actually come in and, and piece it together. Um, so it, it was, you know, we, we went into what well, we didn't have in, in capital. We just, you know, worked in sweat equity basically. Gotcha. And what do you think one of the hardest adjustments you had to make personally while owning this business? That's a good question. I think just lack of lack of lack of time with our families. You know, we, we all we all have have families um, and just being kind of, kind of like knowing that you're doing the right thing long term for you and your family. But right. then making those short term sacrifices that you know kids don't understand and of course spouses may not love in that moment and you know like parents are like why aren't you here on the holiday or you know like those types of things right Um, yeah 
I, I think one of the things that we struggle with, you know, frequently. For sure. Yeah. Balancing uh, family and business is, I'm, I'm sure, a very tough thing. Um, and what are some qualities that you possess that make you a good business owner? Uh, tenacity, I guess. <laughs> you know, the right. like, complete unwillingness to fail. You know, overall, yeah, right. I mean, we definitely screw stuff up. We definitely make mistakes and, you know, things like that. But, like, I think that, you know, for all three of us, um, we we just we're, we're hyper committed to this. And, you know, we're all competitive in our own ways. And we we just kind of, like, hold ourselves to a really high standard. So, I, I you know, I would think being, being tenacious is part of it. Um, also, having a genuine love for what we do and, and caring about quality, trying to, you know, put quality first and, you know, above financials and, you know, other things that may come into play, you know, persevere, persevering through some, some of our, like, weaker decisions, you know, and, and trying to just, you know, keep our eyes on what the actual goal is and um, not to sound too cheesy, but actually, you know, caring, you know, caring about the product that we produce, caring about, like, our customers and our employees and, you know, putting, putting those people first. Right, for sure. I'm sure you've come across many people in the in the beer industry now, uh, coming up on five years. Um, besides the obviously the people you work with, who do you think's inspired you the most in the beer industry? Um, that's a good question. You know, I I think that uh, some of the some of the people that that started off, you know, a, a long time ago, uh, through like the end of the the first kind of wave of craft beer so like your Ken Grossens in Sierra Nevada and right. um, through like uh, John uh, Trogner that owns Trogues um, place, place people like that that when they started what they have you know built when they started their business there wasn't even a market for this you know they, right. they yeah. created the they, market for, and, and paved the way for what we do um, you know so while while what we did was a gamble, it wasn't anywhere near the type of gamble that, that those guys um, took. You know, because they, they not only didn't have a market, there wasn't equipment to buy, there wasn't, you know, there, there wasn't, there wasn't a, a road. Um, you know, and, and there's a bunch of those people that, that fit that mold. You know, the uh, Allagash, um, the Oscar Blues, like the, those businesses overall, just the, the way that they they started so small and worked so hard and, and, you know, have become what they've become. If it weren't for them, we wouldn't, you know, be, we wouldn't be where we are, but it also, again, not that it, not that it was easy, but our road was way easier. You right. Know, there were suppliers for us. There were, there were customers for us and, and things. So, right. So the people that paved the, pave the way for everybody. Yeah. 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 Did you ever experience a moment of success where you kind of just like step back and be like, wow, we we're, we're doing really well or we made it. What do you think would be like one the, of the biggest, the, the first one or the biggest one for you? Yeah, we, so our, you know, the, the craft beer industry has, uh, there, there are so many breweries and there's so much beer out there. And, and one of the ways that, um, <clears throat> some breweries have kind of used to stand out or differentiate themselves is, you have these kind of like higher level beer festivals that are like an invite type thing where right. breweries that are well known invite you to come for their anniversary parties and stuff. You know, we, uh, 
got invited to pour at Aslan's, I want to say it was their, their fourth anniversary. It, it would have been, it would have been three years ago. Those guys, they started off on a two barrel system. I believe it was two barrels kind of in the back of this like business park or whatever and have, you know, gone deep and have totally blown up. But the day, like we got invited to that, that, that festival and the night before it was a, a bottle share where other brewers and the brewery owners and, and, you know, other people that work at these places, you know, we get together and have these bottle shares. Everyone brings, you know, kind of like show what you know and bring all your cool stuff out. And, um, you know, we're sitting in this, in this, uh, restaurant basically that they had rented out. And there are all these people in a room that we like, we knew their names, we knew their breweries, we knew their beer. And it was kind of like a fanboy moment, you know, where it's like, holy shit, I can't believe that we're like in this room with, right, with right, right. people and, you know, we're going to pour beer with them. And we, you know, people were interested in like talking to us and like, you know, some people actually knew our, our brand and things. And like, I think for all of us, it was, it was like kind of just sitting there looking around being like, holy hell, how did we, how did we get here? Yeah. Right. Yeah. For sure. I'm sure so, things get a little hectic at, at some points. Uh, and you know, things just happen to come real fast at you. But is there a moment ever when you feel like you need a mental break from everything and, you know, how, what's the importance of that for you and what does that look like? Yeah, a lot. <laughs> we, uh, so we all have our own, you know, the three of us are, uh, we, we have a lot of similar qualities. We have a lot, of, you know, we're all different at the same time. So we have our own things. Um, like three years ago, uh, you know, after like killing myself for two years, I just like had a, you know, like my own, like, internal breakdown and I hadn't taken time off and like nothing, you know, I just, I was like stuck at work all the time and, you know, I needed to like get perspective and I'm a, I'm a traveler kind of by nature. So I, I flew to, I went to Brussels for a week by myself. Right. I just like booked a plane ticket and like left two weeks later. And it was, it was very much like friends and family, like this is what I'm doing and I'm going by myself and I just, I've got to have this, um, you know, this break, get some perspective and, um, you know, just, just basically unwind a little bit. So, um, that's kind of how I, I did mine. Uh, Scott did one where he flew out to, uh, the West coast. He's, he's a big golf guy. So he, he was able to, you know, take a, a week and head out and play some really cool golf courses and stuff. So we've, uh, once we were able to step away, you know, I, I think you could kind of feel that, that coming but we hadn't had time off and um that's kind of how we how we did it now now we're able to take time off a little more than, than we were right you know, i'm sure in those moments it was like if i don't do this i'm gonna lose my mind yeah right you say you're coming up on five years what do you think's been the biggest change in the industry for you in the last five years <clears throat> um i think the acceleration of the like the what's new crowd, you know, when we started five years changes a lot. Right. This industry is like moves at, at warp speed. It feels like, and you know, when, when we started, uh, we were really hyper-focused on doing the IPAs and things because that's what we liked. And that's what we, you know, we're, we're fairly good at. And, you know, that was, that was kind of enough to really set you apart 
especially in an area that didn't have options for that. You know, when we moved down, or when we started this in Maryland, there, you know, there was kind of sort of some people doing it, but we we had a, I feel like a pretty good handle on it, and that we, we did really well. Um, and that was kind of that was kind of enough of a hook to get people, you know, interested and excited and things like that. But man, within the last five years, like. You know, double IPAs have gone to triple IPAs. You know, right. like lightly fruited kettle sours have gone to, you know, beer that's, you know, barely beer and, uh, you know, he- heavily fruited isn't even, uh, you know, enough of a descriptor of what things have become. And, you know, I think in some way, shape, some way, shape or form, we we've kind of done it to ourselves a little bit. But, you know, there's a lot of like. The, the consumer demand for the new thing so it's of course right it's uh we put our we put ourselves in a spot where it's it's creative fatigue to come up with new things a lot so it's it's trying to fulfill that you know and and and, and be that but also try to to um, turn out quality things and not just like throw a bunch of ingredients at something and, and say here it is and i hope that works but right trying to like maintain quality while also fulfilling the you know the what's new demand that's out there gotcha this is my favorite question that i asked uh what was your what was your gateway beer into the craft beer world so there used to be it's not even around anymore there's there's a beer called pete's wicked Um, pete's wicked okay (laughs) yeah are you familiar with it i've i've seen it before yes it was a thing that I used to get people to get it for me, you know, and like it wasn't, it wasn't around very often, but it was, you know, it, it was the first beer that I ever drank that wasn't macro lager. And this, you know, I'm 42. So, I mean, this is, this is when I was maybe a year or two before I should have been drinking alcohol at all. Not that I mm-hmm. condone that, but it happened. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so at that point it was like, Oh my God, like there's, this is this is so drastically different, and it was. I mean, in today's standards, it wasn't crazy at all. I think it was like a hoppy brown or a hoppy amber ale or something like that. I don't even know what style it was, but it was, yeah. you know, it was bitter and, and it was flavorful and, and it was just different. So you know, after that, um, when I when I started to travel more frequently, I, I got lucky and, and did a <clears throat> and in, or did a study abroad trip in Germany when I was twenty one and. After that, like being able to travel around Europe and drink German beer and Belgian things, after that, I was it was kind of like full on, and you know, it's it's just become a it's it's a lifestyle, you know. Honestly, it's, it's right. I, I knew that it, like I had a passion for you know drinking this stuff and and learning about the history and meeting people in the industry and things, but I I, I didn't at that point realize that I would ever brew beer. Right. I just looked it up right now. It's it was a brown ale. There you go. It is, I remember it like it was yesterday, man. I remember seeing that everywhere. Um, yeah, they don't yeah. make that anymore. That's right. It's funny you say that. Yeah, they uh, they they either sold or went out of business. I, I don't right. really remember exactly what happened with it, but you know, it was that's the first one that I tried. And then, of course, at that point, like there was, you know, there was Sam Adams. That's you know, Sam Adams has a pretty wide portfolio. Right. Right. Um, you like, like I said earlier, like Sierra Nevada pops up, and then you you find out that there there were other things out there. It's just you didn't really know about it. Of course, yeah. What's next for your brewery? What does the future look like for Koshua? Uh, right now, trying to focus on 
you know, make, making this business last, you know, I think for the first, uh, really, I mean, until the last, you know, six, six months or a year, we were a startup and it was very much, the focus was just don't, don't fail. You know, you just work really hard, right. do the best you can and don't fail. And now, now that we've, you know, fingers crossed, kind of crossed, like we've jumped that hurdle, you know, and like, I, I wouldn't really call us a startup anymore, but now it's kind of getting, running the business more strategically, but also not, not turning it into a machine and continuing to be creative and, um, growing at, um, a reasonable pace and really kind of figuring out what we want this place to be and sticking to it. So it doesn't get out of hand. Um, we have, right. we still have a relatively small crew and, uh, I think the capacity that we have, uh, here as far as like how much we can brew, the volume we can push is right around where we want to be. Um, there could be a second location in the future at some point. Um, I don't, I don't know that we've, we've tossed the idea around just trying to like make sure that this place does, you know, it's healthy, uh, financially and that, you know, like I said before, like our employees are happy and, and customers are happy and everybody's having a good experience and, and doing the right thing. Just making sure that there's longevity in this, you know, to, to go as, as long as, Right, yeah. And if somebody came to you and asked you for advice on opening their own brewery, what would you tell them? That's, I don't know. <laughs> uh, right now, I'd be like, maybe maybe wait. <laughs> like, right. Let this industry air out a little bit, just because I think there's, I think, you know, we've seen a lot of changes. I think, I think there's some, you know, potentially some other things that are coming our way on a, like a macroeconomic scale. Um, you know, and, and some, you know, we're still in a, there's a lot of unknowns, you know, we still have supply chain shortages, equipment is not easy to get, um, you know, employees are not easy to find, you know, not to be like doomsday guy, because it's not that at all, but I, I think, you know, it, it would be prudent to maybe just kind of hold tight and see how things go. Um, but if they were absolutely positively doing it and they, you know, we're just going to get after it. I think now more than ever is to make sure that you have a very defined purpose and brand. You know who you are, you know what you're doing, who your customer base is, you know, have have a plan. And even if you don't, even if that plan doesn't necessarily play out in the same way that you think it will, there, there's value in the planning stage and just kind of don't wing it. Like know, know what you're doing. You know, meet as many people in the industry as you can, get various opinions from you know, other brewery owners to um, ingredient equipment suppliers to people in the sales chain that, you know, may one day sell your beer, you know, just kind of kind of be a sponge and take as much information as possible. Yeah, I, I would completely agree with that. Um, and I have a little segment called Quick Fire Five. Five quick questions, sure. beer related. You ready? Yeah. Yep. All right. Shoot. Somebody comes into your brewery. What's one of the beers on tap you'd recommend they try? Uh, we just brewed a, a Dortmunder uh, lager called Starting Over, and I think that a good measure of you know a brewer's skill set is uh, clean beer that things can't hide in, and I'm really proud of that. So I think nice. uh, I think it would be that one. All right. If you could collaborate with any of the brewery on a beer, who would it be? I would like to brew with uh, 
uh, triple crossing uh, out of Richmond, Virginia on um, probably a big stout because I think they make some of the best, most balanced uh, out there, even though that may not necessarily be the thing that they're known the most for. I think they kill it. And uh, I think, you know, they're definitely a top five brewery for me. And anytime I'm down that way, I always try to stop in and gotcha. spend time there. Favorite style of beer? Pale ales. Pale ales. Um, because they're low in alcohol, um, you know, obviously plenty of hops and, you know, just very drinkable. Gotcha. Last beer you drank that blew you away? Uh, Check pills from Divine Barrel out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, it was, I think, one of the best versions of that style that I've ever had, uh, you know, made in the States. And they are... Uh, they're awesome at what they do. I don't think I've ever had any of their lagers until that. And uh, when he brought it up, I was floored at how, just how spot on it is for the style. Right. And, uh, you know, how, how delicious it was. Gotcha. And you have one keg of beer to hold you over for a two-week quarantine. Which beer are you choosing? Cezanne DuPont, uh, which is not, you know, you'll find a lot of kegs out of tomorrow bottle, but it, it, it does come in that, but that's kind of like my, uh, de- like Desert Island beer or whatever. Like if I, if I could only ever drink one beer, uh, that's something that's, that I've loved since I had it. And, uh, I would, I would have that. All right. Well, Garrett, that's all I got for you, man. Awesome. Well, I, I appreciate you, uh, having us on and, uh, you know, if there's anything else I can answer any follow up, please. Please let me know. Absolutely, man. I'm Mike Curtin for the Brew World Order podcast here with Garrett Chambers of Kushwa Brewing Company in Williamsport, Maryland. Thank you, man. All right. Thank you very much. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening to my interview with Garrett Chambers of Kushwa Brewing Company in Williamsport, Maryland. Whether you're passing through, you live in the area, or just visiting a friend nearby, definitely check them out. Also, give them a follow on social media while you're at it. Every other Sunday, I'll be releasing a new episode, so subscribe and you'll never miss one. Also, give us a follow on social media. Why? Because I'm desperate here. I'm Mike Curtin for the Brew Old Order Podcast. You stay safe out there.